I wanted to give you a few notes before we kind of get into the sermon this morning about upcoming things uh, so that you know what to prepare for. Uh, number one, next week, the 17th, we'll be having our Lord's Supper uh, Sunday for December. So I want you to begin preparing your hearts as you leave your houses that morning uh, to come and, and celebrate Jesus' life, his life broken, broken, perished, and raised from the dead for us. Uh, and so we're going to celebrate Lord's Supper together next Sunday. And then the 24th, that is Christmas Eve Sunday, we are going to have our candlelight service during the morning worship service. So as you come that Sunday morning, we won't have life group. Um, we're just going to come right into here um, at our normal time. We're going to, believe me, you do not want to miss that service. I promise you, Grant, I've been praying and asking God to just direct what's going to happen, and you're going to want to be here for that. It is going to be awesome. So please make sure you're here for the 24th that morning. By the way, you can show up at about, I don't know, 9.15 or so, and we're going to have stuff for families out in the foyer. Uh, we'll have cookie decorating, uh, sugar cookies that you can take home or give to your child during the service. Um, and then there's going to be several points around uh, the sanctuary where you can come and take a family selfie together. Uh, our staff will be out there to kind of help take some pictures. So if you dress up for Christmas Eve or maybe you wear your pajamas at Christmas Eve service, we don't judge. Um, that you would come and take your picture as a family there. It's going to be fun. We'll have a lot of little fun things to do around here. And then when we get started, it is going to be nonstop. It is going to be amazing. And I promise you, you're going to be glad that you came. So do me a favor. Invite all your family with you. Invite your neighbors. Invite the people at Walmart. Invite that guy that cuts you off in traffic um, to come with you Christmas Eve Sunday. It's going to be amazing. Um, so keep those dates in mind. Um, before we begin, let's pray. Let's seek the Lord together. Father in heaven, we just ask, Lord, that you would just fall on this place. God, we know and believe, Lord, that when your presence shows up at a church service, you change it. And so, God, that's what we're praying for, Lord. We want to celebrate who Jesus is, Lord. This season reminds us that he did show up. Lord, we could sit here all day and talk about the historical documents that prove that Jesus was really here. But, God, today we just believe and trust in the fact that, Lord, not only did you show up and come and join our earth, wrap our flesh around you, but, God, you also died for us later on a cross and changed the, the face of history forever. So, God, we just give you praise for how great you are. We ask you to speak into the service. God, use this feeble human uh, who doesn't always have the words, and, God, apply your words to him so that the, the people in this room can hear it. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. I just want to talk for a second today as we kind of gone through this gifted series. We started last week by talking about John 3.16, which is really not a part of, if we're calling it the Christmas narrative, uh, a part of that story. In fact, it's much later in Jesus' life as he's an adult, talking to Nicodemus. If you remember last week, in their conversation, Jesus drops John 3.16 for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, which is really Christmas, isn't it? Um, this week, we're going to talk about what led up to Jesus showing up. And in particular today, we're going to hear from Gabriel. Um, and we're going to hear what he had to say about God gifting the world with Jesus. So why don't you join me in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. If you don't have it, your Bible with you, there's one in the pew in front of you, or you can look up on the screen and we'll have it there for you as well. 
Luke 1, 26. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this would be. And then the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age and in the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. This moment is pivotal because we've got to put the story together in the way that scholars believe this to be happening. There's some things at play in this moment. One would be Mary's age. Um, Mary would be young. Um, we don't know Joseph's age, but we know according to kind of tradition, she would have been a younger woman. And here's what's also a kind of catch in this is at this point, Joseph and Mary are engaged. So they're in the process of Mary's parents testing Joseph to see if he's quality. There had to have been a money exchange at some point in this, a dowry to be paid. And so there's so many things at stake right now in this story that we tend to overlook Things like if Mary shows up pregnant before Joseph, she is to be put to death, and Mary's dad owes Joseph a whole lot more money. So everything's at stake right now in this pivotal time. And so Mary's out, she's doing work, she's alone, and out comes Gabriel, one of God's best messengers. And he shows up and he simply says these words, You have found favor with God. And I love what it says. Mary says, I don't understand how you're going to greet me like that. Like that doesn't make any sense to me because people that were favored by God were in the temple. And they were men. Let's just put it in cultural context. Do you understand? Like favored people would have been priests. Not a, a woman who is just engaged to a man doing her ordinary work. And so when Gabriel shows up and he says, you have been found favorable by God, it moves Mary to a different place. And so Mary doesn't get it. I just don't understand it. So we, we got to get some context for our lives today from Mary's story. And I hope that you'll follow with me as we go through. And it, the first is this, and, and I hope you'll catch this. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, which means that God finds you favorable. God finds favor in us even when we don't see it. God finds favor in us even when we don't see it. How do we know that? He sent Jesus for us. Even when we really didn't deserve it. While you are yet sinners, Christ died for you, Romans tells us. Do you catch the context of that? God finds favor in us even when we don't see it. You know why God finds favor in us? We're made in his image. He created us for himself. He created us for greatness. 
He created us to be indwelled by him and led by him. That's why God can find favor in a people. Now, there's not one of us that doesn't have a, 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 a blemish in our fine china, right? We all have moments and indiscretions and sin that we wish we didn't have. But the greatness of Jesus is this. He can find favor in people that no one else can find favor in. Because there were no men of the temple going to tell Mary that she was favorable. In fact, she was probably an outcast, a, a low person. But Gabriel didn't show up to any of the priest's wives. He could have. Let me just remind you of something. There was lots of people of higher stature than Mary who were of the house and lineage of David. There was people with better clothing and better homes. There were people in better financial states than Mary. They could have easily been a person that hadn't been with a man of the house of David. But why does God choose Mary? We'll get to that here in just a minute. But God sends Gabriel, and Gabriel says, you found favor with God. And when Mary questions, it reminds me of something. That sometimes God has to be redundant so that we will become obedient. Sometimes God has to be redundant so that we'll become obedient. So twice, Gabriel has to tell Mary, you have found favor with God. Just so that she would finally get it that Gabriel didn't misspeak in the moment. He really did have a message from God to her. And he really was reciting it right the first time. And so in this moment, as God is pouring himself through Gabriel into Mary's life, you got to know that Mary's mind must have been turning. How can this be? How can God favor me? Doesn't he know how little I have? Doesn't God know kind of my life, what's being situated right now? I don't want to mess this up. All of that had to be going through her mind. Because she's no dummy. She knows that if she's found pregnant before being intimate with Joseph, it means death for her. So how is it that Mary's obedient? Let me give you some context to why I believe Mary said yes. In your lifetime, has an angel ever appeared to you? I'm just saying like you're walking down an alleyway and an angel appears. I'll give you some understanding of how you'll know. If an angel appeared to you and it didn't make you want to drop on your face, it wasn't an angel. That's, that's really what happens when people see angels. They want to fall out. And so in this moment, as Gabriel appears to Mary, she has that moment of, whoo, there's an angel. So listen to what Gabriel says again. Remember what he starts with? Shows up before Mary and he says to her, rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So he's trying to change the context of that moment. He's telling her immediately, you have reason to clap right now, Mary. You have reason to be excited, Mary. God has found favor with you, and he's with you. There's something that happens in the life of a follower when we realize that God is with us. You know, in Scripture, as we look at Scripture together, we, we get, in other, trans, or in other books, we, we get this name that's called Emmanuel, which is God with you or Christ with you. And the trouble with Emmanuel is this. Whether you believe it or not, he is. He's with you. He's always with you. The problem is this. 
how we live our lives tells Jesus if that's a really good name for him or not. Is Christ really with us or is he a liar? That's what Christmas is about, by the way. With all of the packaging and all the great commercials, which I've cried about just about every one of them because that's what I do. It really comes down to, do we really believe that Jesus not only was born, but that he's with us? If he's Emmanuel, he is there all the time, or that's just not a good name for him. And we tell him that with our lives. Not with what we do with Christmas. I I just want you to know something. I believe that Jesus has very little care about how we treat the Christmas season. But much more how you treat your mornings and evenings. Let's not act like Jesus is on the throne only in December. And only at Easter. He's either Emmanuel 24-7 or he's not. Uh, I heard someone say that if we really look at the calendar, Jesus was probably born closer to summer. Which I went, well, that makes a lot of sense because our kids celebrate a lot during the summer. We have a little bit more happy times during the summer than we do during the cold winters. I had a buddy uh, down in the Austin area that I called the other day and he said, how are y'all enjoying the snow? And I said, what snow? And he goes, well, we got snow. Y'all had to have gotten snow. Y'all always get the snow. And I said, oh, man, all we get is the cold right now. Anybody else bothered by just the cold? Like, if it's going to be that cold, send the snow. Lord, just let it fall. Let it, let it just. But I'm always wondering if why we treat Christmas with such white gloves but not February. Why not March? Why is it that some months matter more to us in the Christian faith than others? Is it because we believe that during December Jesus watches us more, he's more with us? Or that he's, I don't know, happier during the month of December? Is Jesus like, woo, December? I believe that Jesus is always there. So either he's Emmanuel in February or he's never. So as Mary sees Gabriel speak to her, and he says you're favored by God, and then he starts to deliver the next lines. Listen to it in verse 31. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. I've always thought in Luke chapter 1, who told the story? I mean, of course, Luke's writing it down. But who told the disciples about it? Mary did. For years after this, Mary would gather people up and say, I, I want to tell you the story again of the day that Gabriel showed up. And he told me these words. He said, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. I, I want you to capture something. Jesus is not an uncommon name. In biblical days, there were several people named Jesus. And you may be going, no. Yeah. I just want you to catch the moment that Jesus could be ordinary to us in December. I had a friend in high school. 
named Jesus Martinez. His name, J-E-S-U-S. There's lots of people named Jesus. There was lots of people in Jesus' day named Jesus. But only one of those names can be Lord and Savior. That's why Christmas had to happen. And so as he continues, he said, and his name will be Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. You see, right off the bat, Gabriel took the ordinary name of Jesus and he made it great. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. You see, in Mary's context, she had heard from her forefathers that one day God would send a Savior. That one day this Savior would come and he would rescue his people, Israel. And it said in in the foretold history that he would be conceived of a virgin. That he would be of the house of David. All of these promises in this short moment of scripture, Gabriel is telling this young woman who is alone, you're the woman who will get to birth the Savior. Can you imagine this moment? Who can she tell and they would believe? Who can she go home to that day and tell her mother, hey, by the way, just wanted you to know, um, I'm now carrying the Son of God. Can you imagine how that conversation went? I mean, girls can talk to their mothers, right? And so in this moment, as they're having this conversation, you have to know everybody becomes a skeptic except for Mary. She's the only one at this point in history that knows the good news of the gospel and it's living within her. And so this story has a twist in it, doesn't it? It's not just a simple fast forward moment. It's not a just leave it there and move on because in Mary's context, either she's carrying the savior of the world and of her or she's carrying a death sentence. And so are you today. Either today you brought with you a death sentence, which says there is a way to which men should live, and that is according to God, or there is a separation, because the wages of sin is death. So today your sins have not been covered by the Savior named Jesus. You carry a death sentence. But praise God that he found a faithful servant that would say yes. Because it started a different way for us. Not one of us in this room is capable of producing life everlasting. Not one of us in this room is capable of living a life that says, I've got all it takes to make it to heaven. I've been good enough. I've done enough right things. Not one of us. At best, we carry a death sentence. But the greatest gift of all is this. While you were yet in your death sentence, God sent Jesus. He loved you so much and found you favorable enough that he would send Jesus for you. Mary probably didn't have it all together. We don't get her rap sheet. We don't hear all the sins that Mary had in her life. Can I just tell you something I do know about Mary? 
She was a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means everybody on the planet except for one. The baby in her womb. Jesus. He is the only person in all of written history that we ever hear had lived his life without sin. I'm always moved by the fact that you hear stories of great men and women of Scripture. People like Noah, who God found favor with but was still a sinner. People like Abraham, who God built the nations out of, still a sinner. How about Moses, who God helped uh, move God's people out with God's movement, who was still a sinner. What about Joseph, who saved the people of Israel after that horrific time in Egypt, still a sinner. What about the disciples who saw the first church move out, still sinners? Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The whole Bible is full of people who are just like us. And while they may seem like superheroes, there is only one person in all of Scripture that answers how to live a perfect life. And he is the central figure from Genesis to Revelation. The same name. Jesus. Jesus. And so when we get to this moment in the Gospels where we hear where he came from and how he was born, it's significant to know this, that he came at just the right time so that you today in Amarillo, Texas, would come to know him as Savior and Lord. He came at just the right time. And you came this morning at just the right time. So that you would know that today, without him as a part of your life, the clock is ticking towards death sentencing. Except for one person that can change it. One person can step through your life and over your sin and say no more consequences in eternity. You may face them here. You steal something, you may go to jail. But because of Jesus, he can love you so much. He can forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You see, at the name of Jesus, everything changes. Our stories change. Our death sentence changes. Because he can end sin. He just can. And in Mary, God was reminding the human race that he keeps his promises. Because they all waited for a savior. And God keeps his promises. And he did right here. You know, the scripture also tells us that Jesus' reign never stops. It never ends. Even after his death, burial, and resurrection, it just kept going, and it keeps going today. Because his reign has never stopped. It didn't stop when the gospels ended. It didn't stop at the book of Revelation. It's still going, and it will keep going and keep going and keep going. The greatness of this Christmas is this. This did not start his reign either. Because he was in the beginning. As he will be for eternity. His name is Jesus. The greatness of the story of God and the gospel is this. He loved us so much. He was willing to step out of his throne room of heaven and wrap himself in flesh and dwell among us. Emmanuel. And that day, when Jesus shows up in human history, he changed the world. It was never the same. So that today, when you give him your life, you would never be the same. You would be changed forever. 
The greatness of this is you have been gifted with an unbelievable gift that is beyond imaginable value. At the name of Jesus, you can have an eternity. You can have freedom. You can have strength. You can have hope and peace and love and patience and understanding and wisdom. But you got to open the gift. At some point, you got to stop looking at it and you got to open it. I want you to just remember the anticipation of what it was like to be a child. There's boxes left under the tree. You'd walk by it every day and hope that maybe one of the tape, you know, moments would pop up so you could take a peek. And maybe you were one of those kids that would, you know, go the step further and get out the blow dryer and heat up the tape so it would just come up a little bit. And you'd peek. If you're like my parents, you always wrap things in toilet paper boxes or something like that so that when you peeked, you'd go, oh, great, toilet paper. Put it back down. Maybe you're one of those kids that you would like know where stuff was hidden in your house and you'd go and try and find it with your siblings. Or maybe you were that older brother or sister that encouraged your younger brothers and sisters to do that. Come to the front this morning, go about the front, sinners. Remember that anticipation of knowing when you'd get to open presents? Your parents would. You get closer and closer that day and you'd ask, please let us open something. Please, mom and dad. And they'd say, okay, you can open this one. Socks. Yay! Thanks. Or you'd open something, it'd be like the remote. Really? And be like, yeah, turn the channel. Um, you know, that anticipation, right as it led up to the day and your parents would say something like this, you're ready to open presents? Great, go clean your rooms first. That anticipation of a present waiting to be opened was right here with Mary. Everybody had stood waiting. For years they had waited. When will this Savior come, God? Do you keep your promises? Are you truthful with us, God? Are you really going to send someone for us? Or are you just saying it? How long will we wait for a Savior? And they stood at the temple and they would cry out before God. And all that crying before the temple, there's this one lowly girl. And God speaks to her. Mary, rejoice. Because you're going to be given the gift that's going to change the world. Mary had to have seen it all. She felt what was going to happen. How do you go home and tell people in your household, I just talked to an angel. And he said, I'm favorable before God. And then he said that I'm going to be God's mom. I don't understand this. How do you explain it to Joseph? Who is keeping in customs and waiting for his day to be married. How do you explain it to the priest? someone that's a teacher of the law who believes that it'll be maybe the next priest that comes up, government official, somebody in power. How do you explain it to him? How do you explain to a priest in the temple that you're the one that talked to an angel? So in this moment, the angel says, 
to Mary. First she says, how can this be? You know, I, I haven't been intimate with a man. She, she goes biological. And the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And what's more is the most high will overshadow you. And, and listen, it won't make sense, Mary. I'm not talking biology here. I'm talking about with God, anything's possible. Don't you get it that God is the maker? He's the creator. He knew you before you were formed. He knew you from the foundation of the world. In fact, God had waited until Mary got to that age, at that place, on that day, and then he sent Gabriel at that moment. All of history waited for Mary right then. Because God knew Mary. And he knew that she would be Jesus' mom. Of all of history, all of it hinged on this young woman who is at the right place at the right time that God knew of. And what happens next is amazing. She doesn't get how this is going to work. That, that moment with Gabriel makes no sense. Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so he, he speaks to her, and you got to know Gabriel's saying it, and he's going, she doesn't get this. Don't forget Elizabeth. I know what I'm saying must seem like nonsense to you, Mary. But God gave Elizabeth a child, and she's old. Consider her. Because nothing's impossible for God, Mary. And her response, we don't know if she is fearful. I'd like to think that she was. I mean, she's in the presence of an angel being told that she will house the baby God in her. She's going to have to have a lot of hard conversations in the next few minutes. She says something out of her mouth that I think should say something to us today, and it's this. I am the Lord's slave. May it be done according to your word. I am the Lord's slave. May it be done to me according to your word. Mary did something in this moment that is our same moment. Our response is to be obedient to God. Our obedience is this. We have a death sentence. We look a lot like Mary in this moment because if she turns out pregnant and it's not the Son of God, she's in trouble. It's a death sentence. And today you and I, because of sin, walk in today with a death sentence where the wages of sin is death. And we all have that problem. It's a common thread in all of us. It doesn't matter our background, where you grew up, where you came from, how you talk, the way you walk, none of it. We all have a sin problem. And thus we all have a ticket for death. But God is gracious that he knows us and in spite of us, he sends Jesus. That if we would believe in him and trust in him with our hearts, he can take the death sentence and give us a life sentence. And this one doesn't lead to a death, it leads to a life. Question is today, do you believe that Jesus really is Emmanuel? Or is he just Jesus? Because i got to tell you something. That's what Christmas is about. It's about knowing that there has always been a gift waiting for you. That you have to open at some point in your life. The crazy part about that is this. We don't know when the end of our life is going to be. 
We just don't. Man, as your pastor, I wish I knew. Because in those last 10 minutes, I promise you, I would be there coaching you towards Jesus. I would be begging you to come and invite him into your heart. I, I would be pleading with you and counting down the moments with you. You've got one more minute. Give him your life right now. One more 30 seconds. Don't you know I'd be there? 10 seconds, invite him into your heart right now. Five, four, three, two. bad part about it is this I don't know that time but I do know this you have right now and right now is your chance to change your death sentence for a life one will you give Jesus his name back is he really Emmanuel if so you should give him your life you should give it to him right now don't wait Don't let another day go by. Give it to him right now. Make him Savior and Lord right now. That's the beauty of Christmas. It's an opening moment to say this. You need Jesus. Give him your life right now. Do not wait. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Grant's going to be coming up. Bow your head and close your eyes. Right where you are. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to be quick about it. And as soon as I pray and I say amen, if you need to give Jesus your life, now is your chance to make him known. Come and let somebody know this morning. I'm going to be right down here. I'm going to ask John Mickey. He's going to be down here with me. We're going to be here to greet you and be here to pray with you. But I'm going to ask you to do this. Do not wait. Do not wait. As soon as I say amen, stand up and make your way down and let someone know up here, I need Jesus to be a part of my life. I'm giving him my life today. Are you ready? Father in heaven, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would move mightily. God, only you can do that. So, Lord, we pray in your name that you would take the enemy and kick him out. God, that right now in this place your spirit would fall and people would come to know you as Savior and Lord. You are Emmanuel. You are with us. So, God, because you're with us, we need you. Lord, forgive us of our sin and rob it from us, God. We need you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.